This episode of the Hot LZ is brought to you by the Mall Exchange. You can find them at themallexchange.co.uk. How does it feel to be in the world of a semi-professional podcaster and actually have a dedicated mic for podcasting? It's a little weird speaking into this weird orb thing, but, you know, there you go. Alrighty, well, let's uh, kick the tires and uh, light some fires. You guy! Listening to the Hot LZ, your premier drop fleet commander podcast with your hosts George, Jason, Levi, Damian, Jason, and Peter. Hello, future people, and you're again listening to episode 44 of the Hot LZ, your premier drop fleet commander podcast with your host Jason. Uh, he's coming down with the case of the scourge, uh, the Bruce. I am one with the scourge. It has taken me, but I will fight. It makes me stronger. And Peter, oh my god, we can freaking hear him without adjusting his levels constantly and having to amplify it artificially uh, during post. Peter Tobin. You know, that's actually yet to be put to the uh, test, so maybe advertising it beforehand may not be the applicable thing, but hey, hopefully people can hear me. And, uh, well, actually, maybe not. You never know. Depends on what I'm going to say. Well, I see waveforms, so that translates into people hearing you. Um, And yeah, uh, things have happened. Um, anything relevant? Oh, yeah, there is relevant in the news. Durr, because of things. Here is the news. And I don't know what it is. I must have everything turned out super loud on my end, but everyone, everything is loud, but levels look good, so whatever. Uh, in the news, uh, people are getting dreadnoughts in their hot little hands. Yeah. Uh, coolest pick I saw was of a PHR dreadnought next to a ruler, uh, measuring eight inches in length. Good lord! Yeah, so I've really been enjoying the um, size comparison photos that everybody's taken. I think we've seen one for everyone now. Um, I could be wrong on that. Um, I I don't uh, remember seeing a UCM off the top of my head. I'm sure I've seen one. Um, the thing that blew my mind was the how small a Shaltari cruiser. Looks next to that dreadnought. Oh my god, it looks tiny. It's like, you know, the comparison of like the Corvette next to the cruisers. I mean, it's these are huge ships. Um, yeah, if and size does matter. I mean, (laughs) that's what she said. Did she though? I mean, yeah. Uh oh, and uh, if you're hearing this, uh, it's too late. Credit has expired. Uh, I believe that was the 5th of October. Was that the correct day that credit expired? Yeah, credit expired on the 5th of October. There was weeks and weeks and weeks of posts asking people to get in contact with them if they didn't have the code yet or if they had trouble. And as always, on the 5th of October, there was those three or four people that either hadn't paid attention or were trolling, one or the other. Um, I, I have my suspicions that it's not the not paying attention bit. Well, I mean, there's times I don't pay attention, don't realize that, you know, oh, hey, that's on fire over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, whenever things like this happen, there's always people that are too busy to notice and whatever. Um, I mean, I got mine. Well, I didn't get the initial email. There's a lot of people that didn't get that initial email. There was an issue with the bulk sending 
um, which is not actually unusual despite the reaction from the community. Um, it actually happens quite regularly with bulk emails because they automatically get filtered out by a lot of stuff. Uh, in saying that, it didn't appear in my spam folder either. Um, but I emailed, I messaged the page, literally got an answer within minutes. Uh, the only people I know of that didn't get an answer within minutes were people that were messaging them at three o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's this thing called a uh, normal working hours. Um, yeah. yeah, it's easy to forget that when you're someone from America or Australia, though. And, and I think the guy was from the US. I could be wrong. He was like, hey, I'm trying to message you guys. I'm not getting a response. And I responded back, just trying to be helpful with a, um, oh, um, that's probably because it's like two or three o'clock in the morning over there. They'll probably respond to you in the morning. I actually, I didn't tell the guy this, but I actually responded to the page to give them a heads up. But yeah. Oh, also, I was right. It is episode 44. I actually had to go look that up. So we, we are uh, on the right episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Peter, uh, since you are uh, uh, of, a, of a Talon sort of history, um, is, is the Talon credit gone, or is that a, a different thing, or is it rolled into that same thing? Uh, okay, that gets a little weird. Okay, so it's weird. If you're a Talon and had Talon point credit and stuff like that, um, uh, yeah, you, you might want to just personally talk with TT Combat. Well, the way it currently works is if you were a Talon, um, all of uh, the credit got rolled into the Talon program for Talon points. Uh, and that happened back last year, uh, back when it was under Hawk. Now, the issue is that there's currently no way to actually spend Talon points, or uh, I don't think Talon points really exist anymore. So as a result, if you had Talon points or anything like that, it doesn't really, you know, carry over. Because they have no record of them, apparently. Or, well, actually, that's me putting words in their mouth, so don't take that for fact. But they, they apparently have no means of actually going forth and uh, having a way of us redeeming talent points. So yeah, be, be careful what. Yeah, be careful what you say these days now, Peter, because people can actually hear you better. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I corrected myself. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I think that does it for the news. Uh, oh, actually, no. There's something I, I want to continue uh, talking on, on the, the topic of Dreadnoughts. Um, I cannot remember his name. I looked at his post, and it's been kind of hit or miss. Um, but there's been some questionable uh, issues with uh, quality of casts also. I haven't seen too many, so it may be very limited. But I've at least seen uh, PHR and Scourge for certain... Um, and it's going to be real noticeable in PHR because of the smooth flowing hull lines, but there's a lot of, um, mold lines, which, yeah, that's, that's pretty easy to sand off and everything. The other issue is, um, uh, pits, like little tiny holes that you would have to fill, uh, Bruce, any sort of that, uh, shenanigans on, on yours from initial inspection, inspection. I have a couple very small holes around, um, like the very edge of the tentacle, the actual thick end that you're not going to see. Um, so that doesn't really worry me. Um, that's a problem with all resin casting. Um, but as I said, thankfully, mine are in areas that are almost non-problematic. And tentacles in the correct or um, uh, straightness, you know, where they need to be straight. Yeah, I mean, everything looks fine in mine. Um, when we first spoke about TT Combat 
and I'm, I'm sorry, guys, because I'm bringing up old news. Um, but when we first spoke about TT Combat having brought out Hawk, one of the things I mentioned is that I'd had a problem with TT Combat resin in the past. Um, it was all sorted and it was all fixed, but it is something that can happen with any company. Hell, the most, the biggest tabletop company in the world is notorious for how bad their resin casting was. Um, it's fairly, it should be expected to some extent by now. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing I will say is how little I have heard about it. On, on that is a good point. Stuff. It's also so, probably uh, worth noting that this is, like, Hawk's reputation for their resin was so good that that's probably having an impact on why people are talking about it. Because Hawk's reputation for their casting was flawless. Well, another thing on top of that is a vast majority of the stuff that we've gotten for Drop Fleet has all been hard plastic. So a lot of people aren't used to dealing with resin or any of the issues with resin casting. So if you got into the game, and this is basically your first roundabout, you wouldn't really know. Yeah, that's fair too, actually. So I, I, I just thought I'd you know, mention that there, there have been some, some issues. You know, There's a full uh, unboxing blog, and you know he did have some issues, and it was PHR. And of the four factions, it's going to be the most noticeable on PHR because of the flowing hulls that are just large, smooth panels. Um, but the thing is, is I don't remember hearing, you know, when everyone's getting their stuff and showing off their boxes, I wasn't hearing a lot about it. Now, maybe people just weren't talking about it, or maybe TT Combat, in conjunction of working with Hawk now, has made some huge strides in their quality of their resin. Um, I'm actually curious to find out, because <clears throat> I do know when they were doing the, you know, opening the store back up and you get the Kickstarter exclusive battle cruisers, which I got my hands on and had some issues with, you know, a couple of the, um, the wing fin pieces like being hollow or the nose piece being hollow. You know, I haven't been seeing a lot of stuff uh, being mentioned in the community. So um, let us know it. Did you have problems or was it all good? Um, maybe, maybe, maybe we should uh, do a poll of that and, Find out if Hawk is or TT Combat is getting better in conjunction with Hawk now. Well, it certainly seems like it. I mean, judging from the way that like, just generally the internet is, um, if these problems were widespread, you'd be hearing about it a lot more than we are. And Lewis, if you, when you listen to this, you should have a who is it, Jamie, that does most of that. You should you should have him uh, send a message. You know, let us know if uh, you know. You, you've uh, had same amount, fewer, you know, you know, how are things going if you can talk about it? So we, we'd be very interested to know and, you know, letting the community know if, if things are getting better. So um, damn right. Damn right. I'd definitely be interested in hearing more about that. So, all right. Well, I think it's time to move on to some hobby time because there, there is some hobby time oh, to talk about. Hey, you have a little bit more. Oh, you do have more. Well, look, indulge us, Peter. Uh, just uh, a couple of weird random things that came up. So I uh, contacted uh, some of the people at TT Combat, specifically Donald Roach, who was really nice about coming up with this. So I had a couple questions about Dreadnoughts, just to get some clarification on it. And uh, he was really kind, and he got back to me uh, immediately, despite the weird time I decided to message him. So uh, the first thing off is talking about Dreadnoughts and Orbital Decay. And uh, he said that right now we do not apply Fiery Descent from the Dreadnought Catastrophic Damage table 
whenever a uh, dreadnought dies via orbital decay. So that's kind of nice. They they don't automatically do the uh, what do they call it extinction level event if they just fall out of the sky. So uh, that's kind of nice. Localized extinction level event is how it's worded. Uh, which is uh, also the same if you choose to drop down from low orbit, which I, I did ask because I thought that would be funny. Uh, so if you do choose to intentionally crash your dreadnought, it doesn't uh, do the same deal. Uh, and then the uh, last one that I asked about was specifically a uh, Scourge combat card. Uh, it's called Detonate Drives, if you recall it. And uh, I was asking how it interacted specifically with the uh, Dreadnoughts, because on Detonate Drives, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it says that you basically automatically roll a six. And But the problem is that they, when on the uh, destroyed damage table, whatever they call it, catastrophic damage table, and unfortunately yes. it specifies the exact uh, result. So it would have said radiation burst at the end of it. So I was just like, well, since it says radiation burst, when we play this on a dreadnought, does it just do nothing because they don't have radiation burst? Or do we just go ahead and use space-time rent right off the bat? And uh, they said, go ahead and use space-time rent. <laughs> so that, oh my God. that should be kind of fun. That, that card is so powerful now. Yeah, which gets me into an interesting topic maybe for later. Have we found any cards that we think are particularly hilarious? With dreadnoughts, uh, I don't. I, I haven't looked, honestly. Neither have I. But now I really want to. Oh, I have. So maybe during hobby, you may want to take a look through your decks. <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually don't have a deck, but uh, we we could definitely talk about those uh, in game talk uh, a little more in depth there, Peter. I have something very quick before we move on to. Yes. Um, I'm double checking it right now just to confirm it hasn't been updated since I last looked. But just a quick heads up to the TT Combat guys. Lewis, there's no construction guide for the destroyers on the website. That seems to be a slight miss uh, oversight there. Okay, yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the parts and pieces of those, but yeah, that could, that could be a bit I, of I have a couple of times because I, I have a kit here that I got at the same time that I'd like to build, um, and I'm just going to do it from the photos and hope that I'm right. <laughs> but there's no construction guide, so it's going to be a bit challenging. Well, speaking of construction guides, let's uh, let's talk about that hobby time that's uh, happening. Oh, one other thing that uh, has come yeah. up is if I remember correctly, under the um, battle cruiser construction guide, it's for the uh, Kickstarter versions, not for the new ones. Oh, actually, yes, that is true. So they're missing both the destroyers and the uh, regular run battle cruisers. Oh, so the regular run battle cruisers don't come with a guide, and it's missing as well. No, um, I might message their page later and see if I can get a heads up as to what's going on there. But in all honesty, I suspect that it's just an oversight and they haven't realized. Well, because I do know Lewis listens because uh, he had the option of listening to an episode or calling someone and he, he went with the podcast. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think they're aware. I remember it coming up on the Facebook page at some point, but I'm not 100% positive. And, you know, just letting them know again probably won't hurt. It's just heads up, so you're a good idea. All right, now now can we move on? <laughs> yes. Tanks, armored cars, carriers, jeeps. Well, I can finally say I have a fully functional and operational airbrush kit. You were supposed to say space station. 
Mm, no kit, because now I can also have a fully functional operational battle station now too, uh, because I can paint them with a airbrush. Um, but yes, now uh, comes my task of stripping all of the paint off of all of my Shaltari. Um, I have, I have quite a bit of Shaltari, and some of it I just didn't even bother attempting to paint because I knew I wanted to do this. And <clears throat> I'm going to strip all the paint off uh, and be able to get down to you know, raw plastic, no primer even with the method I have. I, I should do an article on what I use and how it works. Um, reprime them black, and then I will do the uh, color shifting cobalt blue for my Shaltari. So they will be oh so pretty. I love those paints so much. Um, and yeah, so that's what I've got. Um, now the most important uh, discussion in hobby time. Uh, Jason, talk us through your Scourge rod. So my rod at the moment is currently slipped inside of its box, which I'm holding in my hand. I'm just going to slide my hand in and pull my shaft out. I think I'll leave the jokes there. Um, this is just gorgeous. <laughs> I had to do a little bit of trimming with flash and stuff, which again is expected. Um... As far as I can tell, all of this casting is perfect. I see nothing that I'm going to have to redo with um, hot water or anything. It all looks great. I've even um, got some primer on some of it now. My shaft is now black. It won't stay that way. It's going to be nice color shifty, greeny and red. But yeah. For it's... those who are unfamiliar with some of these models, to what are you referring? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I have the Scourge dropship. Uh, sorry, the Scourge Dreadnought. So either the Nosferatu or the Cthulhu, or Cthulhu, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, I'm planning to actually... I'm actually going to uh, magnetize mine so I can use both. I had considered just building the one that looks cooler and going, hey, it's actually this, uh, but I think I will actually do it probably. So, in relative comparison, um, about how big is it comparison wise to a cruiser? Like twice the size? Okay, so parts wise, if you haven't seen the photos, and we're not the first to make the joke about the shaft, um, the actual the main body of the ship is a, a a large circular rod that's almost an inch thick. And I want to say about four inches long. It might be maybe four and a half. I don't have a tape with me. Nope, I don't have a tape with me. Aha, I know where one is. Give me a second. Through the powers of editing. Hey, I have a whole measuring tape. It's five inches long. So a little shorter than average. <laughs> and then... Uh, so and then you've got all the tentacles to put on. So is it, it, it looks like it's two rows of tentacle... Slots it's got? Well, it's also got the head of it, which in itself is another three inches long. Good Lord. And I, guessing by uh, the, the pictures I have seen, it looks like magnetizing the Scourge one is like super easy. Uh, yeah, it looks like it will. Um, and the tentacles themselves. So, yes, you've got multiple rows of tentacles. The larger of them are about the same size as the shaft. So, so final length, about close to eight inches then for length then, or when it's all said and done? I think you're looking at at least eight inches, yeah. Okay, so alrighty then. 
Uh, anything else you, you've got there for, for Harvey Bruce? Um, well, just a quick note. Last episode, we suggested that you want to paint these things before you construct them. And as someone that is also repainting his fleet, I would recommend that for all scourge ships because getting your paint in between the tentacles is a giant pain. Um, but no, even doubly so for this. Do not build this first. Definitely paint it before you put it together, without question. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, and that's just good sound advice if, if you have the time and patience to do that. Uh, Peter, anything hobby time related in your neck of the woods? <laughs> no. That's funny. You you uh, you you literally scared me because the, being able to hear your voice so so normally and clearly it, that really caught me off guard. But but in reality, actually, you do have some hobby time. Uh, actually, strangely enough, I vaguely sort of did, but not overly. Um, I did actually take out my ships for the first time in oh quite a while and took a look at them. Um, I'm really not as far along as painting as I thought, or at least not on my scourge. Um, if you recall, way back in episode Sweet Jesus, I Have No Idea, I mentioned that I was going through all of my Shaltari first because painting Shaltari makes you want to kill yourself. And I figured it would be nice to have the Scourge as a quick, easy uh, reward at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so uh, all of the Scourge that I have painted is more or less just a starter set, which, given the size of my fleet, is kind of horrifying. Uh, a lot of it's primed and it's been washed, so there's not a whole lot left to do to it. But... Uh, Anywho, I did manage to pull out all of uh, my starter fleets for both factions, and I managed to talk to my LGS, actually had a change of management. So the guy who is now running it is a uh, friend of mine who actually uh, enjoyed a nice demo of the game and picked up the Scourge himself. So he's now part of the meta, which is kind of cool. Well, sort of. He hasn't built it yet. Um but I talked to him, and he let me put the starter fleets in the display case. So hopefully I'll be able to pick up some additional people for the meta from that. So I pulled out my models, I dusted them off, and I then put them in someone else's case. So that's about all I got going on. Well, and you set up a new recording setup so that the folks at home can hear you more easily. And I can edit the podcast much easier now, too, again. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Although I wouldn't necessarily refer to that as game time hobby. But sure, yeah. Uh, I guess I mean, it's mic just is a shame nice. that it makes your life easier, George. Okay, say that again, Bruce. I said it's just a shame that it makes your life easier. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, no, it's <clears throat> I, I call it hobby time, Peter, because you're now taking time and you're on the podcast talking and we can hear you better. So the, it, it's related to the hobby. Therefore, it is hobby time. So. so yes, as a reminder, everyone, I have not actually had a chance to play a game literally this entire year. So any of my opinions are the hottest of hot takes. Take them for what they are worth. They're as good as my opinion, then. Um, I'm trying to think if I have had a game this year. I think I had one in February or March. So maybe I'm okay. You are now the king of us. Enjoy. Bow before me. Yeah, because I had a game this year and, you know, been teaching my kid to play. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I have also brought somebody into the game. Well, bringing somebody into the game recently. He's currently deciding if he wants to play Scourge or PHR, uh, which at this stage is being decided mainly on aesthetic. 
Uh, he is asking about how the rules and stuff work as well. Um, I have a feeling he's going to end up going Scourge, but I could be wrong. He should go PHR and build a Remus and base his fleet around the Remus and just wreck someone's ground game for the hell of it. Well, the advice we're giving him at this stage, and you may remember back to a conversation last week, uh, is to start with the 99-pound starter fleet because you literally get an army in a box. Yeah, yeah, and, and if I were to go and, and do a second fleet just for the hell of painting it, because I want to paint a PHR fleet, especially now that I have an airbrush, um, that's the route I would go. I would do that, pick up a couple of battle cruisers and dreadnought and some corvettes and some destroyers. Actually, I'd probably pick up as well, probably two blisters of destroyers, and yeah, because PHR destroyers are pretty decent too. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Peter has found some uh, humorous uh, card combinations for uh, Dreadnoughts. Actually, before we bow out, how much yeah. time have you had on that uh, airbrush? Uh, five minutes. And that was uh, hooking up the Quick Connect to my compressor and testing the Quick Connect with the airbrush. Okay, we're going to have to expect a, a little more results out of you for our next uh, podcast. I'm really curious how that winds up. Well, so I can say this, a uh, guy I work with, he bought a similar airbrush. It was, it's, the cup is built in. So uh, it, it's same, same company and everything. I bought a higher end airbrush that will last longer compressor, compressor wise. And the airbrush I got, instead of having a permanently affixed uh, paint cup, I got a side feed so that I can rotate it and, and just hold the brush at an angle while having the paint cup, you know, level, regardless what a level I have the airbrush at, either it's straight down or at some weird angle. So <clears throat> that's how I started learning airbrush and doing some angle shading and stuff like that. Uh, way back when, Jesus knows uh, what episode, when we were talking about the Beast of War um, sector tokens, that they just, they did the, the angle for the, you know, with a different color green to give them the radar effect. That's what I want. I want to be able to control my angle and and force staying at an angle so that I only airbrush at a certain, you know, angle. How many more times can I say angle in a sentence? Angle. There we go. Um, so presently, I'm I'm very happy with how everything looks. Um, this quick connect that it came with is fantastically awesome because now I'm not going to have to buy a manifold and additional hoses for extra brushes. Cause there are some precision airbrushes I want to get for doing, you know, some actual uh, airbrush detail painting. Uh, the, this quick connect, you, you can pop the airbrush off. You don't lose pressure or anything. You clip a new airbrush on and rock and roll. So because the compressor I got has a, a, a tank, a reservoir tank of compressed air. So yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to be pretty happy with it. Um, the, the proof is going to be when, you know, I'm actually putting paint down. The one thing I do say, I'm glad I'm left-handed because this paint cup only mounts to the right side. So it's not going to interfere with my hand at all. The way I like to hold the airbrush because I'm left-handed, but I was right-handed. It'd be a different story. All right. So, uh, game talk time. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey everyone, this is Jason from the Hot LZ. Just want to give a shout out to the Model Exchange where they have Drop Fleet Commander mats in 6x4 and 4x4 sizes. Printed on vinyl and high quality images. Uh, so just go out, check out their site. It can be found at themodelexchange.co.uk. Thanks for listening to us.
I have my cards ready. Our troops in the north put down a smoke screen. Okay, so earlier on the episode, Peter already mentioned this. Uh, it was uh, Detonate the Core. Is that what it was called, Peter? Uh, I want to say Detonate the Drives. Yes, Detonate the Drives. That sounds right. Uh, automatic 6. And as we know, the Dreadnoughts have their own catastrophic table, which uh, an Automatic 6 on that table, well, that's uh, that's some fun stuff right there. Um, I think that card is super powerful now because – Let's say you get your 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 dreadnoughts down to four or five hull. Why not just uh, wreck someone's day, max thrust it, and then or get it, get it to the position where you can inflict the maximum amount of damage and then detonate the drives. Yeah, and so, that card also features in the scourge deck. I think it's one of the general ones. It, it's a scourge one, I believe. It's scourge only. Um, it's specific. Uh, uh, the play condition is play when uh, rolling on the catastrophic damage table. So you have to wait for the enemy to destroy your ship. But given the size that uh, that particular field hits, I don't think that's too much of an issue given what you want to do with Scourge Dreadnoughts anyways. Right, and if I remember correctly too, that it, it it's a defined range of 12 inches. There's no rolling range on that. It's, Correct. It's, yeah, so it wouldn't be too hard to get that into, you know, a good position, you know, keep wrecking havoc. Okay, I have to destroy this. And you just go, Boom. Um, you roll some dice now. Oh, and all your uh, frigates and stuff? Yeah, they go away. Yeah, it gets pretty interesting for that. So, Bruce, what, what, what are you finding? Well, this may sound a little boring off uh, at, at start, but bear with me. Launch Chaff. One friendly ship. Its signature at its base goes to zero. All energy spikes effects disappear. That could potentially be great for defense, especially if you've already got that ship up in their face. Uh, just quick correction. Energy spikes and other effects that alter signature still apply. It's just the base sig that goes to zero. But for Dreadnoughts, that's really kind of the big thing. It's also a common card, which is nice. So this is good for every single possible Dreadnought. Yeah, I think that's something that could be very useful. Sweet Jesus, yes. It, it is very sweet. Like, uh, getting rid of 20 inches of additional range on people? I'll take that. Oh, you just put two spikes on me? That goes up to a 12. Oh, no. Or, I don't know, if you're Scourge because you have, you know, full cloak, none? Yeah. Yeah, Launch Chaff is really sweet. And I want to say there's three in every deck. So that's actually really, really pretty nice. Like, that might be worth baiting out a uh, espionage for, you know? There's also Leviathan of the Void. A ship gains beast special rule for the remainder of the game. And do you remember what beast does? I was trying to look it up, but I remember it was awesome. So beast only happens, if I remember correctly, while crippled. But uh, conveniently, uh, you get crippled pretty early. Well, semi-early with a dreadnought. And what it does is it drops the lock of all of your attacks by one. You then roll another cripple after, you know, like each round. But uh, who cares? Nothing's going to live with locks of, like two on 80 billion weapons aggression until the end of turn the ship may re-roll failed rolls to hit when firing at ships or space stations within scan range uh it does not apply to launch assets or close action weapons though yeah as a heads up leviathan of the void and aggression are both scourge only so if you're not sure what we're talking about it's because you don't play scourge so watch out for this hang on to espionages for them I am going through the Scorch deck, so yeah. 
Uh, for another universal one that works for everybody that you could watch out for is jam comms. So it's when an opponent chooses orders for one group, and then you go after that enemy group. Targeted group may not use special orders this turn and must go on standard orders instead. So you can screw an entire battleship <laughs> into just standard orders. Nice. Um, Killing Finesse, another Scourge one. All friendly ships on the table may make one turn where uh, on the weapons free order this turn. So the big thing with that one and the one reason why I really kind of like it as a rule is looking at the Cthulhu, right? Because if you look at the Cthulhu, one of its main things is that huge goddamn furnace triad, which is really, really sweet. But on the flip side, it's front narrow. So if you're looking to actually go weapons free and get stuff in the furnace triad, that's pretty damn hard. But with killing finesse, hey, suddenly you can make that one turn when on weapons free. And you can line up that furnace triad wherever the hell you want. I just found a fun one for uh, PHR. What you got? Recalibrated targeting on the Remus. Choose one weapon system on the ship. This weapon may re-roll missed rolls to hit this turn. Damn. Yeah, that's also generic except for Sheltari for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. So, let's see. Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh, nanomachine colonies on a Dreadnought. Uh, target ship gains regenerate three special rule for the rest of the game. <laughs> Point blank death. The first dice rolled to determine the number of close action weapons on this ship automatically scores the highest possible value. Yeah, that's pretty nice, especially with the super accurate uh, close action weapon. The one that's uh, two up. I want to say that's for the Nosferatu. Ooh, hang on. Uh, yes, I think so. I got to pull up rules for the PHR Dreadnoughts because, yeah. So here's another generic that I thought was pretty nice. Uh, everyone has this. It's called Taking the Initiative. It's uh, on the activation of an enemy battle group, one friendly <laughs> one friendly group. You may prematurely activate a single group in any friendly battle group. The group may only use standard orders. This group must complete its actions before the enemy battle group can continue with its actions. So someone rolls up on you, goes to blow up your battleship, sorry, your uh, dreadnought, and you're just like, oh, by the way, Know that, you know, SR rating 30 Dreadnought that you're rolling up on? Yeah, it, it's going to go first. And it's going to go on standard. So for some ships, obviously, this is better than others. But uh, if you're rolling up on, I want to say the Uranium, good luck, buddy. I like that. That's evil. Yeah, the, the Uranium. Was that your firing at me? Oh, damn, I'm now out of range. Well, that and just, uh, you know, they, they come up to shoot you and you're just like, oh, no, I'm going to go ahead and activate. I'm going to move up on you and I'm going to use literally everything except for two of my guns because most of my shit's close action. And by close action, I'm using that in, you know, quotation marks because it's got a scan of 16 damn inches. Um, okay. I don't know if this is a general one or just a UCM one, uh, but dissipate energy. Remove all energy spikes from this ship could be very useful, especially if you've just gone weapons free. I looked at it, and it does have some issues, specifically with the timing, because it only happens at the beginning of the next round. But it's good for like uh, attempting like a last action. Uh, sorry, last uh, it turn. It says during activation. cleanup on this one. Yeah, but it's during cleanup of the uh, card phase, right? Uh, cleanup of the planning phase. Yeah, that's the first phase. Oh, damn. But I mean, it's still not bad. Uh, it's just you know you activate the dreadnought last, you go nuts with it, and uh, then. Yeah. Drop that down next uh, next turn, and boom, 
lose that 12. At uh, launch chaff is a general one. It's not just scourge. Correct. It's general. Um, drive hack. Is that PHR only? Oh, definitely. All the hacks are. So uh, how about this? On a 50% chance of uh, uh, 4, 5, or 6, increase the base thrust by 50%. So the thrust on a Romulus or Remus would go from 6 to 9. We can do you one better. <laughs> Scourge deck, Relentless Advance. When activating one friendly battle group, one group in this battle group, well, that's not really a huge problem for Dreadnoughts now, is it? All ships in this group able to move up to their full thrust value double their base thrust value this turn. This group may not use max thrust, and these ships may not fire close action weapons or launch any launch assets. I'm okay with that. Yep, so am I. Enjoy my double moving, uh, you know, horrifying <laughs> close uh, moving in dreadnought, just going weapons free afterwards because it can. Hey, here's a fun one playing against other dreadnoughts. Weapons hack. Force a dreadnought to shoot against its own ships. Oh, that's nasty. I like that. I've always hated weapons hack, even back in drop zone. Um, yeah. It does specify one weapon system, right? Uh, for each non-close action weapon that is firing. So for anything but close action. Oh, Jesus, that's awful. Uh, next-gen armor plating. This ship may re-roll failed armor saves this turn. Has no effect on criticals, though, but still. I mean, since they're all rolling, what, two ups at that point? Who the hell cares? Jesus. Well, I'll still roll Bruce's, but everybody else will find it useful. So another one for Scourge that I thought was funny was for the species. I'm not necessarily sure this is good, <laughs> but it is funny. So it's the one that lets you ram even if you have more than two hull points. <laughs> Yeah, I was reading that one too. Uh, here's another fun one for um, uh, PHR, the Repair Drone Squadron. Remove any number of friendly fighter tokens for the ship. For each token that is removed, you repair one damage point on this ship, up to a total of four points of damage. Ew. I don't like anything that repairs PHR stuff. So, but yeah, weapon attack playing against someone, uh, playing on someone else's drive, not going weapons free. That that's that could be fun. I gotta say, I always kept a uh, espionage specifically for that damn card. Like, usually <laughs> that's what I kept all of my espionages for against PHR, to be perfectly honest. And uh, that's not going to change my policy. Especially now? Yeah, especially if I'm rolling around with a dreadnought, which I did order one, so I suppose I will be. Um, um, question I have. So What's the Aegis special rule? Aegis is the one that gives you basically additional PD while within, I want to say, five inches. I could be wrong on that. And uh, the number afterwards is how much. Usually awesome. found on a Jakarta. Yeah, because formation defense, until their next activation, all ships in this group that do not already have Aegis gain Aegis 3. Ugh. Bet the Washington doesn't like to hear about that one. Um, there is one for Sheltari, well, there's actually three for Sheltari that I picked out that are Sheltari specific that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is Navigational Mastery, just because it's super weird. <laughs> um, so it, again, one friendly battle group, one group in this battle group, so no biggies there. And it says all ships in this group gain the vectored special rule and two inches to their thrust values. Yeah. Yeah, so for those of you who don't play Sheltari, Vectored is the rule that lets you, I want to say, move twice. I should say not move twice, but uh, change your position 
No, it lets you specifically change your position at any point in your move, if I remember correctly. So, and then, you know, two additional uh, inches. So what it's going to do for all of you that need to worry about it is uh, the plutonium's distortion cannon is going to get you during a uh, whole weapons-free thing. So it lets them go weapons-free free, and just hit you with Lord knows everything. Admiral's Directive, is that Shaltari only? No, that's uh, general. Okay, that one just in general? Reduce the, the strategy rating of your real, reveal battle group by uh, minus four. That could be great for making sure your dreadnought goes first. Except, is your yeah. SR value 30 and there's nothing anywhere near that? Oh, oh yeah, because they're S2. Well, what if you play two of those? Then it's down to, you know, minus eight, which is still, you know, 22. How many SR groups are higher than 22? I've, I've run an SR22 group a couple times. Okay. Um, mass driver volley. All ships, weapons with mass driver in their name gain plus one to their attack value this turn. Oh, Jesus. I'd have to recalculate how many goddamn dice the London would throw out with that thing. Oh, yeah. That's just nasty. Oh, my God. That's... There's, what, like six different railguns on that thing? So it'd be up in the, like, almost 60 dice if you rolled max close action? Oh, Ew. Jesus. I think that might potentially be the best one for the UCM, Dreadnought. Yeah, if you're rolling with the uh, London, definitely. Uh, another one for the Sheltari. You guys are going to like this one. Power to the weapons. Before firing with one group, all ships in the group. All ships in this group may fire all of their weapons on standard orders this turn, but may not raise shields. Ooh, ooh, I just found a good one. Uh, I love that one, by the way, Peter. That's nasty. Yeah, it is. Especially given that the uh, heads up, uh, the Shaltari Dreadnought is the only one that's actually got a scan higher than its SIG. So what you got, George? Advanced picket ships. Yeah, I was going to talk about that one. It's nice. Yeah, put the shields up on a Dreadnought. And oh, no, it still only has a 12-inch SIG, not a 30-inch, 36-inch SIG. Yeah. <laughs> now, unfortunately, the, the, the target is one friendly group of tonnage L. So... Oh, never mind. <laughs> I know. I looked at it. I got my hopes up too. I did the same thing. Oh. It, it's like the designers saw into our hopes and decided to crush them. Uh, well, it is Shaltari, so they're like, okay. So, I mean, in reality, the Shaltari deck didn't do much in the way of, you know, you know, it, it was more like gate-related stuff. It wasn't ship-related stuff. So, in turn, that doesn't do much for the Dreadnoughts. Yeah, and I mean, it, it is called advanced picket ships. I mean, it's supposed to be the guys that are out there True. on the edges and stuff. And um, would you, if that were allowed on a dreadnought, I mean, think about what would be going on because we still have the one that uh, drops your SIG to zero, I want to say. So at that point, you could be rolling around with all of your shields up with two opals and basically just be invulnerable for a round. That just does not seem like a good balance especially with you know dreadnoughts so i'm i'm yeah. totally okay with that <laughs> anybody have anything else that they want to talk about uh power to the weapons we did talk about that one we did talk about that one okay oh man i've gone through both of my decks now okay so we probably went through all the decks then because uh you guys went through the ucm and the phr and we uh both went up through the scourge and the uh, sheltari so we should be pretty good but yeah because yeah, uh, just I, I, 
I, I'd like to throw a thanks to uh, Connor Blazer again for sending me uh, scans of all of the uh, fleet decks because that's how I looked them up. Yeah, so just uh, for your information, if you hadn't been either running into other people for the other decks, so you didn't have a chance to look through, so you didn't weren't sure what to watch out for, or just if you hadn't had a chance to really think about it, um, those are some of the nastier cards to watch out for if you have uh, Dreadnoughts coming to you. <gasps> Yeah, I think Detonate Drives is probably the nastiest of, of them all, and it's available for all factions, but it gives you a guaranteed six on that uh, catastrophic table when your Dreadnought does go. So uh, if you're playing with a Dreadnought, you get one of those in your hand, hang on to it. Ruin your opponent's day. Hmm. So, yeah, what else can we talk about? Um. Yeah. This is what happens when you prepare thoroughly for an episode, which we really don't do. For those that haven't had the chance to look at the deck cards yet, they're each 56 cards uh, in size. And at least on the TT Combat website, they sell for eight pounds, uh, which if you give me about 30 seconds, I can check the conversion rate. It's about 10 bucks US. Lord knows about Australian. Uh, it's going to be around 14, I'm going to say. Okay. And snacks for the dolphin that delivers them to you. Fourteen eighty nine. I was close. I've done this way too much. So one thing that I wouldn't mind talking about, if you guys are okay with it, is the idea of monitors and what do we think they are going to do. Oh yeah. Um. So from what I've heard, monitors were supposed to be like a sublight ship. So as this is going to be something that was going to be starting in play before your battle groups come on. So it's like a battle group that starts in play or part of a battle group that starts in play because they have sublight. They're supposed to be heavily armored and heavily weaponed or if not heavily weaponed, like a powerful weapon and like two up, three up armor guaranteed. That's what I remember. So in general, if I remember monitors are basically just uh, not very fast not very armored, but they've got huge guns. And this is just a historical sort of thing. And if I remember, they also tended to be crap on range, hence the whole like sublight concept where they're more of a defensive option just to hang out in your own harbors and what have you. So does that mean that the white sphere would have been a monitor? No, because that, that has a faster than light capability, I think, because it travels from system to system. Does it, though? I mean, it did have to like hire people to come jack it out of the... Uh, whatever South American compound they were keeping it in. Is that a reference to District 9? I said South American, not South African. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Different South. But, uh, yeah, if I remember correctly, that is the official fluff for the PHR. Uh, not that it much matters. I mean, it's just a really heavy, small white orb. I mean, they could have just literally let it go and let it crash from orbit or what have you. But um, back onto the idea of monitors. So if I remember correctly, they're supposed to be in the uh, light tonnage, kind of like, um, I don't know how many hull or anything like that, but it, they're supposed to be on the smaller end from what uh, the last time they were spoiled and when people were talking about them. So the big question I've got for you guys is, what do you think they're going to do? Like, what is there going to be their role? Or what niche do you think they're going to fill in Drop Fleet? Well, I'll tell you what I would like to see from a monitor size kind of ship because they're supposed to be, you know, on the larger side, but not huge. I'd like to see a super gate. 
for the Shaltari. I'd like to see something besides the one gate for deploying troops down. I, I think that's the one thing that the Shaltari is missing when you look at drop fleet versus drop zone. There's, what, three different types of uh, ships in drop zone that beam your troops down in for various various sizes of of these ships uh, or, or uh, units you put down drop zone. I, I think, Shaltari, I, I think the one thing the faction needs and that's missing is it needs a a larger gate to drop multiple down like a bulk lander i i've said it from the beginning and I'll, i will continue to say it until we get one i think that's fair to be honest so one thing i'd just like to probably just put a pin in right now before people do anything with it is a lot of people generally complain about uh the prevalence of basically a lack of a decent anti-atmospheric option so i'm pretty sure like they've had three uh, i want to say two or three different chances to release stuff to deal with things in atmo and they haven't yet so that's probably going to suggest that the people running it uh hawk dave for balance or you know tt combat probably don't think that atmosphere is a big issue so probably don't get your hopes up that monitors are going to solve all of your uh, ground game issues if you feel like you have a ground game issue <laughs> Well, see, and I, I will disagree with the, with that statement some because uh, PHR dreadnoughts are not dreadnoughts, destroyers. Uh, I didn't they get an atmospheric? I know uh, UCM got some atmospheric love with their destroyer. Yeah, UCM's got an atmospheric uh, anti-atmospheric gun. So does Scourge. I don't know about PHR. I don't recall. I think one of their close I'm, action weapons I, got it. Maybe I'm looking right now, but uh, the efficiency isn't really there if you stop and. Uh, look at the mathematics of it. Yeah, the Bruce has a close action atmospheric uh, D3 plus three, hitting on threes. So yeah, think of what you need to be able to actually take out a uh, strike carrier. And uh, if you're basically using your entire destroyer up against a uh, strike carrier, it's usually not a decent trade, given what's going to happen to it afterwards. Well, so the the... the the PHR Jason destroyer is the 12 inch uh, thrust uh, rare variant. So if you had a group of two to three of those uh, and you rush up to a, you know, cluster beginning of the game, uh, dropping down to low orbit, close actioning, you know, those uh, strike carriers, you can negate your opponent's drop game there. And in theory, then still have them for another couple turns of harassing with the twin heavy calibers, Slash, you know, flying around doing close action uh, atmospheric uh, to other strike carriers. So I'm going to disagree a little bit um, because what, what does Shaltari have for atmospheric? Uh, void gates. Hitting on fives and Corvettes hitting on fives. Yeah, there you go. What, so, did you want more? I mean, a little bit maybe. Uh, so, so and looking at the other factions... Uh, the atmospheric attack is not a huge part of the game, uh, but every faction does have a good sort of atmospheric weapon. I mean, the PHR, do you have a close section that's atmospheric? Uh, the uh, UCM, their uh, destroyers, uh, uh, that's a pretty awesome atmospheric uh, option they got. The Shaltari, you know, the, we've got our crappy little Corvettes and our Void Gates, which, let's be honest, we're freaking out protecting those, so they... Uh, don't die, and we can actually get troops down. 
Yeah, but to be fair, think of how many other advantages your fleet has in the rest of the game. This is the only weak point you have. Right, and, and, and the way that the, the, the score for the game is, you know, it's based on, you know, the ground game. It, it, it's a severe weakness that we have with, you know, the Void Gates being one of our only atmospheric options. They're easier to, just to destroy now, you know, that's why I think we need a, a heavier duty gate that is like a bulk lander that gives us that option to drop three at a time that can last a little longer, et cetera, et cetera. We, we have, we have no way to go after strike carriers really. So, and bulk lander, sure. We can take those out, but you, you see what I'm saying though? It's yes, so we, would- we, we, we have range and, and good consistent weapons, but the, the key of the game is getting troops on the ground to score with. Shaltari does not have a way to deal with that effectively like other factions do. Yet, on the other hand, other factions now have an effective way to go after gates to stop the Shaltari ground game. So if you gain a, an ability to go after their stuff, it allows it to balance without having to break gates again to fix it. Right. Or... or the gates are still weak. We have a gate that's a little tougher, but maybe they're rare, so we can only take one or two a game. You definitely couldn't take any more than that. Otherwise, we'll be back to where the game was 12 months ago. Exactly. So, so something needs to happen. So like a rare super gate, you know, at a 1,500-point game, you can take two of them, you know? You know, a group of two, and they have open so they can go wherever. They can drop three at a time. You know, they're they're they give us that bulk lander option. They give us a more durable option without doing too much and and you know creating the problem that was initial when the game first launched with void gates. You know, being too powerful for what they were. One of the things I do like about the Sheltari though is exactly how weird their ground game is. It does but, make for an interesting change. Th- there, there is that too. It is weird, but I, it's become too focused on on that void gate, and it, it needs to change. There needs to be another void gate, so to speak. One of the big things that I have an issue with is on any uh, particular like space station based mission, uh, really kind of screws things over because void gates not in atmosphere are really, really, really bad. <laughs> You mean, uh, 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 what is it, uh, 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 lore of debris around the station? Uh, just any of the ones where you don't actually have anything that's on the ground when there's no ground and all the scoring is done with space stations. So you have no atmosphere really to get into. Not if you want to drop. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying is the uh, void gates become uh, debris around the space station. Gotcha. I thought you were trying to imply there was a specific terrain issue. But no, you're, you're right. They, they just... Pop, 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 pop. Um, so one of the things that's holding the whole idea of void gates back, right, is their group size, yeah? Because we can't just take crazy amounts of them. I mean, if you look at a void gate compared to a Jason, you can take, what, four of them per Jason? Uh, three. Slightly more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Points, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's... um, uh, You can take a max group of six... But they're open, so that doesn't matter. So, But if you send two and, oh, I've got a group of two Jasons, well, I can take out both the Void Gates. One turn. Uh, no, you can't split the uh, close action that way. You'd only be able to blow up one. If you have two Jasons. Oh, with two, you'd be able to blow up two. But the idea there is, like, say uh, someone rolls two Jasons at you and you're only capable of rolling 
a similar style of void gates at them. Uh, so the, at that point, your group size becomes slightly problematic. So you're just like, oh, okay. And then you're only firing at five ups anyways. <laughs> yeah. So you need to have something else that would be able to take out the Jasons because, again, it's not like they can go into Atmo. So they're going to be in low orbit. So you can use your standard shoot shots against them. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a weird sort of thing. Now, do I think Sheltari, like, would I like to see a super gate just for some, you know, amusement's sake? Sure. Maybe, you know, make sure it doesn't go into atmosphere, you know, have it be like have the standard sort of issues going on. Make sure it doesn't be able to drop um whatever they call the giant. I think they're just called batteries, right? Well, so Sheltari doesn't have batteries because it has the void gates. Exactly. So just make sure that they continue to have that rule. Like that'd be okay. Cause right now uh, we've got the gate mechanic, which is on, I want to say a grand total of one, two, three, four, five ships, six, six uh, ships, two dreadnoughts, two battleships, the mothership and the home ship. So six ships. Yep. And, uh, that can get somewhat problematic. I would have liked to have just seen, which kind of goes against Sheltari ethos, but, uh, uh, at least another ship that's a little more general use, you know, like a little bit of a mix, but, uh, I guess that's really kind of impinging on PHR with their beloved assault troop ships, which are so, so good. Yeah. Um, PHR, what would I like to see from PHR? Um, Ooh, that's a good one. Well, assuming that these things don't move so fast and are generally more like I'm going to hang out here in my own little defense area, um, I'm really not sure because, frankly, you know, you're usually not moving up on the PHR. You, usually they're coming to you <laughs> slowly. I, 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 I just had an idea. A small white sphere, but instead of having a left-right broadside, it has quadrant broadsides. So they have a firing area effectively of 360 degrees, but it can only be the the areas that are opposite of each other that fire like it or something like that. Front, back, and or side, side? Essentially, yeah. And and, and throw the, what is it, the energy lever, whatever that's on the, the dreadnought or, or a heavy caliber, you know, broadside. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not really sure what PHR uh, would want uh, weakness-wise or just you know, buffing strengths at this point. Like, they, they've got a lot of decent stuff going on. Uh, yeah, PHR right now, I'd say, is a, a very solid faction as far as right now with, with, with Dreadnoughts because now they've got something big that can, you know, focus on something and actually take it out without too much effort because you can do the weapons free, but it's only going to be this broadside, so it hits on this and it, it deals more damage. Holy crap. Uh, you've got the best fighters and bombers in the game. You've got the best option of bulk landers. You've got a great option of, you know, weapon platform cruisers. You know, your your frigates are fairly amazing because they're the most durable in the game. And the, your strike carriers, still the most durable in the game. I mean, it, it'd be kind of hard to figure out what what would PHR need for, for a monitor? You know, what what is it going to do? I mean, if it had a sufficiently low thrust, they could give them something that's actually got a decent anti-cruiser gun. Because uh, generally speaking, their punching power is a little subpar to make up for their crazy both ground game and armor and all that jazz. So uh, maybe something with a really sweet, just, you know, I can pick where the hell I'm pointing gun. But you know, again, like I said, pretty slow. So you don't have to worry about it rolling up and just annihilating everything. Might be pretty interesting. So here's my next thought, actually, because these are supposed to be slower sublight. 
Uh, what are scan range is going to be like on them? I'd imagine pretty shitty. Well, because why? We, if they're designed for defense, wouldn't you want them to have a huge scan range? Isn't the whole point of them for that? Either that, or maybe more interestingly, it may have a cool rule where it's based off of something else's scan, like where you have Ooh, to. Oh, I like uh, that. Yeah, where you have to work off of uh, another ship, so you have to have basically a spotter. Oh yeah, yeah, that could be cool. Because I mean, if you look at UCM and Scourge, on average, they've got a pretty pretty weak scan. What are you going to do with a ship that's you know a slow ship that's sublight? You know, it's going to take you you know forever, or you're going to have to put it in the middle of the board, and it's going to get no support. You know, it's it's going to get you know it's that first line of defense that you're going to have for two turn two turn three and then it's gone or you know it's going to have to have ex an exceptionally increased scan range to be more effective you know against you know say we'll just throw it out there because it, it's what they're good at shaltari with their scan range shaltari scanners you know they're going to see a monitor before the monitor could even shoot at it and then it's not even effective i mean another option is that they could have a very bizarre deployment option as a uh, core rule where you just literally put them at a scoring element and they don't really move at all. That could work. That could also be very broken, though. Yeah, that could that could be extremely broken, especially depending on what kind of weapons get put on them, too. Obviously, I mean, it was something uh, that would require a whole lot of playtesting, but, I mean, you can always just have rules that it's only within uh, your friendly 24-inch boundary or what have you, et cetera, et cetera. But it's certainly an option that they could go with to fit a classic monitor-style ship, you know? Now, my next question, would these ships be able to do, uh, go go into atmosphere as well? Because they're a slower sublight ship, defensive, so wouldn't, would they be designed to hang out in orbit or atmosphere more often than uh, up in the uh, above the planet? It's an interesting idea. I mean, uh, a lot of times uh, monitors were littoral craft, so they were used to hanging out literally right by the coast or hanging up into a river, actually. So it makes sense if you're, you know saying with the uh, terminology, that a monitor could possibly go into atmosphere. So that might actually be a racial thing, race by race, or maybe they just all will be able to, in which case maybe they will be our anti-Atmo uh, uh, ship of choice. And go with, with that idea then. That that would, in theory, be the perfect you know super gate kind of thing for the Shaltari. It's slow. They've already put it in place. It's removing masses amount of troops down, so may maybe that will be the uh, Shaltari bulk lander because it's going to hang out in atmosphere. It's slow. It's designed to move a lot of things. It's going to have the the capability to do that. Hell, it might even just be a ground based thing at that point, like a huge uh, warp spire nexus or something like that. Oh, that would be so cool looking. As like much the, as uh, as much as the ship itself would look quite dull, I do kind of like the idea of a white sphere. But it would look really boring. Maybe not even a sphere, but maybe a, a flying saucer that you know between the top, the top and bottom armor. You just have like you know a broadside all the way around the ship. Make them like a look like a base star from Battlestar Galactica. Top oh, connecting. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, we found something George likes. Dave, are you listening? Dave, please be listening. I'm pretty sure they're already sculpted, given you know the intended release date of this book. But who knows? What what, what is intended release for them? Do you know? I think they were saying uh, Q1 2019, but don't hold me to that because again, brain damage, twins, all that jazz. Right. 
maybe maybe that's something we could talk to Lewis about about uh a uh, a special a special episode of the Hot LZ where we we cover all these on on release day, so to speak. You just want to get him on and have him tell us everything so we can have it recorded beforehand. Admit it. Yes, exactly. And then we release it on the day they're released, and then people can listen to our opinions about that, talking to them about that on the day they can order them. Well, yeah, I'd totally be down with that. Yeah. Um. Honestly, like Scourge, oh, I'm sure that, you know, it could be some sort of, you know, slow can go from low orbit to atmosphere, can't go into high orbit or something like that. And it's got some weird, crazy furnace cannon rule with skulls and stuff like that. I'm kind of amused by the idea of not being able to go into high orbit. That would be kind of interesting. Well, going off to the, you know, they hung around. They didn't go that far, so they may not have the ability. I mean... If you look at it, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess high atmosphere, high orbit, you know, the, 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 you still have to deal with the gravity of the planets. So they may not have the, the power to escape that far out. They've only got enough to just stay right there. Well, uh, do you really want to hear the physics thing on this? Not right now. It's late. I'm hungry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Short end of it is, is for the way that this game actually works, one of the things that they need to be able to do is have that gravity negation so you can actually, you know, fight in orbit. So as a result, uh, you wouldn't have to worry about that so much. Yeah, that's true. But who cares? It's a game. Physics doesn't matter. I mean, let's be honest. Look at how big these ships are and everything. Physics doesn't matter. (laughs) That was uh, kind of funny. There was a post going on about uh, specific physics in this game, which I thought was utterly hilarious. But um, again, I teach physics, so I probably think about this a little more than other people. Are are you one of those teachers that gives your students the problem of, you know, how fast would the bumblebee have to be traveling in order to exert enough force to stop a semi? Uh, No, but I will on occasion make them do all kinds of weird stuff, uh, usually involving like various things that they think can actually happen and then having them prove that it can't. Or asking them really crazy stuff like, hey, have you ever been in the same place? Hint. That's a main the answer question. Is no. Oh, here's a one looking at the uh, UCM Havana. Uh, a UCM monitor. It's a torpedo platform. I'm, I don't know. I just can't think of a torpedo platform that would work. You know? Give it tor- 12 torpedoes and then just see how it works. <laughs> I said work, not necessarily, you know, destroy everything on the planet. Or make everything go in bizarre uh, movements to make all the torpedoes go away for a while. That'd be interesting. Um, honestly, the, the and I think a lot of it has to do with you know lack of playtime that I've had. I, I honestly, other other than Shaltari, my my faction of choice, I really don't I don't know what another faction would need. Uh, you know what uh, what role a monitor could play for for that faction. Right. Um, for Scourge, one of the things that I would like, just as a monitor, that would be kind of interesting. Um, so a couple of things with Scourge that are a little weird. Um, we basically blow up anything that we can get to, but getting there can be problematic. <laughs> uh, I think we agree with that idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So maybe something that helps, uh, dampen down, uh, either active scanning or something else that somehow messes with scan might be a good way to go for it. So some kind of jamming or interfering device would be kind of cool. 
something else would be kind of nice would be something else that can attack from atmosphere to orbit to go with, I want to say, was it the scale or Charybdis? I always get those two mixed up. Uh, the uh, the what was the escape velocity? Yeah, um, yeah. Ch- Charybdis or whatever? Oh, yeah, no, so it's Charybdis. Scylla. He was right the oh, first. Oh, it's Scylla? Okay. The Scylla? Okay. It That's the one. I really want to test that in game. I want to see how effective it is because in theory, I love the idea of that ship. Yeah, uh, mathematically, it's got some slight things. Like You, you don't want to go after anything too big with it because it's going to take a long time for that uh, group to really eat through. But uh, beyond that, like if you're going after other frigates or anything else on the smaller, already wounded size, um, it really works out fairly decently, mathematically speaking. I've only put it on the table, I don't know, sub-10 games. Uh, but it, w- it was always entertaining. And all of that was after it got buffed because, dear Lord, did it need it. Yeah, it's lock, lock value. You got lowered down to three, so Scourge was yeah. threes across the board. Yeah, that also kind of is weird to me because that's not the case anymore. Like beforehand, it was, you know, three on everything except for uh, the furnace cannons, which was either two or four. So, I mean, it averaged to three, so it was okay. But now we've got some other close actions that are two, and now we've got another thing that's four. It it took away the joy of my, I just have to remember the number three. Yeah, because, yeah, there's that Scourge Dreadnought that's got the four-up god-awful burn-through that's huge. You got the close action that's four-up. Yeah, and now the yeah, and then there's that close action that's the two up. Yeah, so yeah, you can't just remember threes now, Peter. Sorry, I know doesn't work well. You know, I've only got so much brain power left. Come on, people. Well, obviously, no one in TT Combat has twins. <laughs> I guess not. Alrighty. Well, we were going to have Levi on, but apparently he's not going to make it. So apparently, we don't have a bowel report. Um, do we know of any upcoming events? Uh, how soon? I don't know. Okay, well, the shout-out has already gone out for people to uh, both help run stuff at Captain Con coming up in, I want to say, February. Uh, and there's also been a shout-out for basically a player base showing up for Captain Con. So that is, as I generally talk about, uh, showing up uh, towards the beginning of next year. So in, like, mm, three months, basically exactly three months from now. <laughs> You gonna be able to go with this this next one there, Peter, or twins gonna? I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna ask. We're, we're gonna run it by uh, run it by the misses. You know, see how we go with that. You know, it is easier to have, ask for forgiveness than permission. Just uh, on the way out the door, be like, "Oh, by the way, I'm doing this. See you later, bye," and disappear for three days. Yeah, there's a better chance I'll be able to make one day as opposed to two. She tends to work on Sundays. Ah, okay. But uh, um, I'll see you about Saturday, and I think I may be able to pull it off, which would be nice. It would be good to get out there and actually get a chance to play and run into other people from our, uh, New England who play. And not have twins. I'm okay if they have twins, too. You know, If we both only get out like once or twice a year, then I, I don't have to worry about getting horribly outplayed. Just, you know, majority of the outplayed. No, no, no. I mean, you have a day without twins. Oh, yeah. That'd be okay, too. Don't get me wrong. I do love the girls, but uh, they they are a lot of work. It was I saw today. It's like don't get a tattoo. They're expensive. They're permanent. They hurt. Also, same people have kids. Yeah, the the um, hilarity of that. Um, we also have CanCon coming up from Saturday the twenty sixth of January till Monday the twenty eighth of January, and there will be a Drop Fleet Commander tournament on the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, it's so yeah, it's a two day tournament, 1250 points. 
Um, your f- you you'll command a fleet of colossal warships. Da 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 da. That it's being run by Adrian Stacy, a friend of the podcast. Uh, he's the guy that kicks my ass all the time. Um, if you-, you would like to get more information, it's DFC Oz One. That's the number one at gmail.com. Or you can just join the Oceana Drop Zone and Drop Fleet Commander Facebook group and there'll be information going on there regularly. And so far it's been weekly. So, yeah. If you're in Australia or the surrounding areas, join that group. Okay. So Don't join the one that's labelled Australia because it's not functional anymore. It's like Bruce. I'm very functional. I'm just slightly broken right now. How rough is the... uh... Australian meta, just with the whole like divide of the country. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, it is taking with... place. It is taking place in Canberra, and everybody hates Canberra, so everybody will be on an even ground. That, that's one of the nice things with Australia; they can feel our pain uh, here in the U.S. about you know basically having completely disparate metas on other halves of you know your continent. <gasps> we live in a very big place. Well, if we don't have anything else, I'm I'm thinking we should probably maybe get going because I know it's getting late there for you, Peter. It's getting later on in the morning for you, and well, I have to cook dinner. So, yeah, and I'm reaching the point where if I'm calling in, I'm still undecided on that, but I need to make that decision in the next 25 minutes. Fair enough. Well, let, let's get on. Technically, I should because I'm coming down with something, and I'm not allowed to be at work at a hospital if I'm sick. For obvious reasons. So maybe okay. I should. That sounds good. You probably should. Well, if you're working in an emergency and you're coming down with the flu, that's probably not going to go well. That's kind of how epidemics start. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us for this episode of The Huddle Z. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash The Huddle Z. You can find our blog, thehuddlez.com. It's where the show notes, podcast, and other things are at. Uh, big shout out to the Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash holosy slash post. Uh, Patreon is super helpful. It keeps the webpage going, keeps SoundCloud glowing, and it's helped Peter become heard. Uh, we, we've received enough support from Patreon that we were able to help out our co-host here to get a better mic, and it's working. We can hear him. You can hear him. So, Thank you to all those who support us with the Patreon. It does help us out a lot. And, of course, uh, email us at thehollowzpc at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, tournaments, custom scenarios, custom ships, uh, battle reports, um, whatever else you want to talk to us about, uh, send it to us there, and we'll talk about it and give you our woefully uh, uninformed opinion. Is that everything? Did I get everything this time? Hopefully. Well, if not, oh well, because we're uh, we're we're done. Um, yeah, we're gonna do this and get out of here. You okay? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hot LZ. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mateus at SoundImage.org. I'm all guys. All right, gents, you have a good one. Peter, it was awesome to actually hear you this time.
<laughs> Hopefully this makes editing easier. Uh, so much easier. All right. Catch you guys later. See you, man.